Hello and welcome to my podcast, Conversations with Cornelius, where I, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, discuss, chat and hypothesize on all things from fatherhood, marriage, comedy and everything else in between. From time to time, there will be special guests, but mostly it's going to be me and some regular contributors, including my main squeeze, Noelle Patricia O'Sullivan, a.k.a. The Wife. So sit back, relax and enjoy Conversations with Cornelius! Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Cornelius. I am Cornelius and this is my podcast. This podcast, this podcast is sponsored by the West Cork Beard Company. A 100% Irish owned business and I am proud to be associated with them. Although I did take a risk this week, took a big risk this week. I shaved off my beard and um, how did that go though? <laughs> um, Colin was on to me about six seconds after I shaved it off going, what are you doing man? What are you doing? And he's, the, he's the sponsor? He's the sponsor, yeah. Oh, okay. And I was like, listen Colin, it's all good man. I am growing this back. He goes, how long did it take you to grow it? I said, like, about eight years. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in Operation Regrowth, guys. Regrowth. And you can follow the progress of my regrowth on my Instagram page, CorneliusTheComicAgino.com. But I, I actually shaved my beard. I, I, I would, I've had the beard for about six or seven years. And I was, I actually shaved, I've been thinking about shaving it for about, I'd say about six months. Do you know, in lockdown, most people mm. were growing beards. And I was like, maybe I should shave my fucking beard off, you know. Um, but like, obviously, I do a lot of work with the West Cork Beard Company, and I was like, you know, maybe I might. No, what I will say, you surely you asked them for their, I suppose, permission before. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> say permission, but at least, you know, give them a bit of a warning. You, I mean, you just didn't do it offhand without telling them, and you taking their sponsorship and signing a some sort of deal, I assume. Yeah. Um, well, what I, what, I, what, I, what, I, what I wanted to do was just kind of tidy up my beard. Just tidy, but just tidy it up. So I went up and I said, I'm going to do a little bit of tidying here and just take a small bit off. And then I took a small bit off the left. And then that, then the right was uneven. And, and, and anyway, long story short, the whole thing came off. Completely gone. Very, very quickly. And uh, but Co- like I posted it in straight away and Colin was like, man, that's brave. Fair play to you. And he dropped you in as a sponsor shortly. And yeah, and and then I Immediate said, look, listen, I'll just do this for you for free, Colin. And <laughs> he was like, no, you need to pay me. So now I'm paying him for him to be my sponsor. Um, but no, it's gone. And but like I have to say, the reason I I I like there's Wait, been a job with your sponsorship guy or the beard guy. Well, this, it's kind of both. It's kind of loss okay. in general. Like you know, the whole it wouldn't make sense for Colin to be sponsored this podcast if you're beardless. Well. I, I have a nice little kind of a sheen of a stubble growing, you know, it's coming back, it's coming back, the stub. Um, so just to verify, Colin is a good businessman, so that sponsorship is gone. Well, he is a great businessman. and With a smart mind. Well, with a very sharp and smart mind. So it's gone. So he's he's looked at this as an, well, what I said, Colin, you need to look at this as an opportunity. But he didn't buy that, did he? Well, I'm not saying he didn't buy that, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying, I, I, you, you're putting words in my mouth here, okay? Um, uh, you can eat, and... I said, you need to look at this as an opportunity. This is the regrowth. Oh, that old chestnut. Okay. And now what I'm doing is I'm growing it back. I'm taking a photograph every day, and you can see my manliness. Look at that. I've got a five o'clock shadow going on already. No, man. you look, you know. Yeah. Mm. One. I look what? Mm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. I look. Hmm. <laughs> but like this, it has, and I, I know, I know that I'm being blasé about it. But like, I did want to shave it off for a while. 
But I immediately wanted to grow it back. I knew once it was gone, I'm going to grow it back again. You just looked into the mirror. You just thought. I was like, look at that face. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, mean, I have quick. made a mistake here. I have made a mistake. It's a new look. I've shed my skin. I'm reborn. I'm like a beardless new fawn, and I feel good. You look good. Oh, you look good. You are a good liar. <laughs> You're a good liar. I'll say that about you. Um, okay, ladies and gentlemen, this week is episode 13, and it's an interesting number 13 because it is kind of. It has associations with the occult, and uh, <laughs> and this week's guest is definitely a cunt. Uh, <laughs> there's a good distance. There's a good distance. He can't complain. Can he? Yeah, he yeah. There's a good distance. Uh, uh, his name, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage the Mind Guy. Cornelius, thank you very much for having me. Me and actually yourself and I in the car brings back good memories. Do you remember the interview we did with Darren O'Sullivan in the car? Oh, Not yeah. this particular car. No, it was a Shishinto. It was a Shishinto, yeah. We were doing a series of interviews in the Shishinto, so this kind of brings me back to the day. I think we only ended up doing one one interview. We still called interviews. <laughs> we, call it, we call it interview in a Shishinto. And we had the Kerry football captain, uh, All-Ireland winning captain. In his prime. In his prime, yeah. in the back of a Shishinto. Yeah. And we, our Cork, Cork men, we, we abused him really, like ver- you verbally. You started screaming at him. Yeah, yeah. That's it online for people to actually see. Check that out online, lads. Uh, yeah. All in good fun. All in good there fun. There was a bit of hate, though. Well, he hated us. Yeah, he didn't. But we were like, <laughs> this is good content. Content? That's why we're kings of content today. Content is king. That was back in the day when we were uh, kind of going around the place, reading people's minds, mm-hmm. telling jokes. Yeah. Um, or double act, the Supernatural Brothers. What year was that? That was sometime this century, I believe, yeah. That was good, maybe uh, six, seven years ago. Was it? Maybe. I don't know. I lose all track of time. Six or seven years ago. I'd say it could have even been longer. Could be more. We were opening a comedy club down in Killarney. In Killarney. The INEC, wasn't it? The INEC, that's right. The acoustic rooms. Um, It didn't last long, about 12. uh, We got about 12 gigs out of it, but what a package we walked into there. Remember that? How we, how do we get that? Well, you you are you are a good salesman, in fairness now. So you kind of I wouldn't say you blagged it, but you kind of blagged it, you know. So we got I can't remember the fee, but it's actually a decent fee, and we got <laughs> to stay there, and we obviously we got food and whatnot. Now we were meant to get axe, a varied axe. <laughs> it ended up just being you and I with some talking gesture from. Yeah. Well, what we did is we we went up. We were like. I think we were getting around three or four hundred euros a gig, which was a lot of money. At the time, we yeah, it was a lot of money. And we were like, okay. And they were also putting us up. Yeah. And we were like, okay, we could probably just do this ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> the quality isn't going to be as good. <laughs> they made people coming back again and again. And then I come on again yeah. and say the same old. The same old jargon, yeah. yeah. And then they just emailed us and said, yeah, this this isn't working out for yeah. us. Good uh, luck. They said, no, in fairness, no reflection to m- on me or my performance. Yeah, it was but actually. There was an undertone of that, though. There was a, a massive undertone of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think there was. A we kind of blagged it. But um, it was, a, yeah, it was a good time. But that's when we were, we were, we were just, do you know what? Actually, you were, when we were doing that, mm. you you were doing solo mind reading. You're a mind reader, yeah. mentalist, mm. and I would I'd host it, and we'd have maybe one or two acts on, and then you'd close the show, um, and it was a good enough show. But like the quality of acts that we were kind of getting in the middle, we were kind of <laughs> let's just say we weren't paying for the best of quality. <laughs> no disrespect <laughs> if the, if anybody's listening. Well, we were just kind of giving like open spots to people who were new, yeah. and then kind of hoping that you would blow them away with mind reading at the end. Do you remember any of the names that we? Were I listening? know them all. They're all. Uh, some of them turned out to be great comics in the end. Very good. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm not going to say any of their names now no. for like out of respect for the dead. Um, <laughs> but it was yeah, it was shortly after that. Then I think we started going. All right, how how can we fuse 
my comedy and kind of style and your there's quotation marks around that co- the word comedy there it was a bit my style yeah <laughs> your, your, your alternative brand of comedy and your mainstream boring <laughs> fucking you know yeah page yeah next 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 Yo type on. of oh, yeah. you know anywhere. Paul Daniels magic tricks <laughs> how can we and how can we turn it into something even worse and we managed to do that oh we did <laughs> uh, we got our uh, first couple of farms see we didn't really mind about I suppose we were all about the money weren't we? We were all to about the money. To start. Yeah, there was no, there was, we had no interest in artistic endeavor at the time. I remember I was no. like, I need to actually make money. Like, and yeah. I was like, you, you definitely have something that is marketable, <laughs> and I think that we work, we were, we did work well together. We traveled to a lot of gigs. We, and we did, had yeah. a lot of laughs. But at the start, Cornelius, it was fairly, and um, we were brutal. Like, I know, mm. I, don't, I don't, like we were actually, we were quite good in a way, but we used to be brutal towards the audience where we didn't really mind. Once we had fun. I think that was the key. That was uh, the key. Where the audience had fun. Should we? Should, who cares? And at the time, our idea of fun was like, I suppose it was low-grade bullying, really. Like, Yeah, we used to bully the audience at the start. I think we mentioned this previously, but we used to call people old and ugly and all sorts. Yeah, yeah. and um, They were the opening lines. Then. They were the opening lines. And we had stuff like, I remember we'd get people to stand up and, you know, kind of like put your hand. I remember you used to get a thing, you'd get someone to stand up and you'd go, do you believe in mind reading? And the person would go, yeah, okay. Put your hand. You'd get them to put their hand in the air or something like that. Keep that hand in the air now, and then you'd go off onto something else, and you'd have a guy standing there for like maybe twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes, hand in the air, and then you just turn to him and you go, "Okay, you can sit down there now." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We were uh, we brought a unique brand to it, right? Though, but I remember you and I even at that stage we were still opening up for decent. We opened up for Carl Spain and Jarrell Regan, two lads are are absolute class comedians. Remember in, in <laughs> <laughs> why you throwing your eyes in the sky? Yeah, yeah, they're okay. They're okay. They're you okay. Know, you know, good? I think they're okay. I don't like. I like. I. I well, my idea of class. <laughs> my idea of class is Tommy Tiernan. Like you know. Oh, okay. okay. You know, Tommy well, Tiernan is like. Uh, Tommy's coming on the podcast as well, guys. Just so you know, he doesn't know himself yet. Um, but he is coming on, um, so I'll be getting in contact with him. But like, that's my idea of class. I think the lads are very good comedians. Well, so like, but, you know, okay, but well, cl- class and they're nationally known, I suppose, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, well, we, we did we did get some good... Like, I mean, Dylan Moran. We opened up for Dylan Moran. Now, that's a fucking I, household... I should have brought him up first. Yeah, like he's world famous, like, is, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, like, there's, like, the boys are great comedians, I suppose. But like, you know, I don't know. Fuck it. Like, I don't know. I'm like, who are we to judge? Do you know what I mean? Some people like Britney Spears, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Does she do comedy? Is she alive still? She is alive, I think, yeah. Apparently, she's sending out some sort of uh, social media, media videos or used to and saying that she was a kind of code of messages yeah. saying that she was free dress or something or yeah. half kidnapped or God knows what. I, I don't know. There's a whole movement called Free Britney now where they're like her, all her money is still controlled by her father. Still? Still to this day. And she's like a, a woman in her fucking 30s now, like, you know, late 30s and all her finances are... Cause she had a bit of a breakdown. I don't know the ins and outs of it now, so I don't want to do the girl any injustices. Mm. But her dad has all her money and that's a disgrace. Do you know what I mean? It's a weird one, yeah. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, it's weird. Free Britney anyway. Hashtag Free Britney. That's what I'm all about. Um, is that your thing now? That's my new thing now. Okay. That now okay. and fasting. I was I'm f- I'm back fasting. Oh, I couldn't do it. Oh, I tell you, man. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Well, I, do you know what the best thing about fasting is? You can eat loads when you're not fasting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So do you, you know, helpful later afterwards. Y- you can eat like obviously if you want to lose any. Like I mean, I put on a lot of weight when I'm fasting. Mm. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> 
if I'm trying to put on a bit of weight, I'll I'll go on a couple of twenty-four hour fasts. But I'm doing sixteen-eight now at the moment, which is like you f- like I'll fa- I'll fast, I'll, I'll I'll finish eating. Take the word fast out. I'll finish eating at eight o'clock at night, and then the next day I'll begin eating. So I'll have my breakfast at twelve. Essentially, you fast, then you fat. Fast, fat. Fast, f- fat. Yeah. yeah. The more I fast, the fatter I get. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's a new thing. I'm bringing it out. Just uh, the opposite to, to dieting. It's like, do you know the way dieting is like? You know, corner of the market. Everyone's trying to lose weight. They've got all yeah. these little things. Who is there? Anyone out there trying to get people to put on weight? Is there a way that we could like, you know, have well, classes? There's athletes that uh, would want to bulk up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we That's go. your market. So I'm going to get onto those athletes and uh, make a few quid. Tra- so when we got together, as I said, mm-hmm. I was um, a comedian of. Of I suppose like you know, you know way down the charts like way further now below Carl and uh, Jarlett for example <laughs> right two lads that you picked out there way beyond them they were way way better than me way up the ladder okay so average bang average right and you were this like run of the mill how are you doing <laughs> it like yeah your card is the queen of hearts wow you know and we joined together but you had to kind of train me up a small bit yeah. in the mentalism side of things um, which is. I have to say, one of the most, like, when I w- when we joined together, when we started, it was like, I never worked as hard. And I was like, fuck's sake, like, there's a lot of work, you know, um, in training to be a mentalism. What was I like as a student, Sensei? Uh, incredibly frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair to you, see, the one thing about you, you're not afraid of going stage and making a fool of yourself. What? <laughs> <laughs> As, as we've seen from your is previous that a performances. Com- compliment? It is a compliment because <laughs> you're doing stuff, uh, mind reading, oh, you're, you're, you. you're performing things where it may not work out and you're doing things in front of an audience. It could be an audience, uh, two, three hundred people and you're doing something that you think, oh, this won't work or this can't possibly work or something, something's going to go wrong or somebody's going to see something but you weren't daunted by the fact that potentially, you know, egg could be on your face. But it didn't put you off. No. Do you know, whereas a lot of people go, I, I can't, that'll never work. I, that can't work. Whereas you were like, yeah, this, I'll, yeah, I'll give that a go. I'll so just put my hand in the air for an hour, <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do that. So that's what I will say to you. So there, there was like... So it, you were saying I was kind of like stupid. I'd do anything, right? Okay. Uh, do you know what? You go hell for letter, so there was no issue with you failing. And I think that's a very strong aspect of being a good performer, full stop. But to be a good mentalist, you must be willing to fail because failure is definitely a part of a life of a mentalist. And you mm. will do it at some stage and you will do it dramatically also, like. And I, that's what oh, I'm we had to. some epic fails, yeah. like we've we, we well on stage, you know. But like obviously, sometimes when you when you'd fail at something, you know, if you were trying to do something like we we used to do work with Ouija boards and stuff like that, try and bring back people from the dead, all mm. this mad stuff, you yeah. know. And sometimes it wouldn't work out, you know. But what I found is we always had comedy yeah. to fall back on when things failed, and that's what made it so good was yeah. because like. You know, like I remember, we used to do this, we used to do this thing, right? Like we'd sell our show as mentalism, as mentalism, right? And uh, almost psychic, really. almost psychic, like. Uh, and I remember, we, like we we could be in front of, you know, like a community center, a couple of hundred people inside there, mm-hmm. and we'd spend the first twenty minutes. Um, you know, berating the audience, getting them up, going, oh, you have some sort of an impairment with your eyes, and the person will be wearing a pair of glasses. <laughs> you know, stuff like this, like, you know. Um, and then we almost fooled the audience into thinking, God, these people, these lads are fucking pranksters. They're, they're ca-. And then the next thing, bang, yeah. you'd go and you'd read someone's mind. You had a line, you'd actually get somebody, you'd reveal some letter that a person was thinking of, I don't know if you remember, and that would be like the very... F- 
Yeah, you go, yeah, that, yeah you're exactly, you go, go away and you get it right and people start laughing. But there'll be a turning point in the show yeah. where that'll be the first little thing we got right after, like you said, 15, 20 minutes of just failing and being nonchalant about it, not caring about it and like you said, berating the audience. And then they were like, oh, maybe these guys actually do know something. Maybe they have the, the ability to actually do something that they, that they claimed in the fucking, the posters or whatnot. Like, yeah. So that was, the I always, that was, Always a turning point of our show. I used yeah. to always love that. The I used to love that as well. The change yeah. in the room. Yeah, we kind of. What I loved about it is we we do our best to make everybody think that we are the two biggest fools on planet Earth. We don't know what we're, but we'd act then as if we were gods on stage. Yeah, but that was the thing. And he's <laughs> <laughs> like, you could be a person in the wheelchair. And we'd like, I remember one time I tried to get a person in the wheelchair to stand, and I couldn't see with the lights in my eyes. I still remember and. Person, I think his wife or somebody brought out. He's in the wheelchair. He can't get up, and I said, "I'll never forget." <laughs> but anyway, oh my god! Yeah, no, but no, I, I, that, I don't. Was that your solo? Was that was that? in care with Ben Buckley's gig. There was a guy in the wheelchair in a. Was I? Uh, was that? Was a Supernatural Brothers gig? Solo, I believe. I think that oh was yeah. a solo one. Yeah, but anyway, but that's what we used to do. We used to just and anything we get right, which was blatantly obvious. Like you know, we would just make an absolute mountain over it and give each other high fives and hugs up on the stage. Yeah, you know, and celebrate the fact that we're getting. The most mundane things, right? And um, yeah, kind of emerged then from that, and we have some lovely supernatural brother tales from adventures that we did. But we're going to get on to um, there's something that I want to bring up in, in a second. But I just like I want to talk about mentalism mm. in itself. It's such an interesting topic. Like people are always intrigued by, you know, how how can you make someone do something? you know, through the power of thought, through the power of your actions, um, you know, that that they that they ordinarily wouldn't do, you know, and like even body language. I mean, you'd always, you were excellent at this, like uh, you'd be going, okay, we'd walk into a venue and you'd look around and you'd go, okay, well maybe we, this person looks good, this person looks good, you know, just by the way they're sitting or this by the way they're talking. This person's vomiting in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, what about this person over here? Um, but you know, you, you, had an ex, you had an excellent way of doing that and it was like, it was almost as, like a skill, like some people might say, oh wow, that's a special power, like, you know, but, um, you know, you always picked people that were, that you were able to work with and, like, reveal unbelievable information about them that there's no way you could have possibly known before you came into the before you came into the venue, like, yes, yes, you know. Um, uh, but what skills, right? What practical, what everyday practical mentalist kind of superpowers do you have, or that mentalists have in general, that can kind of help you navigate the world? What can you do that, like, no one else can do? Like, see, the thing about performing mentalism. The more times you perform mentalism, the more I suppose the better you get at performing mentalism. Mm. Okay, so go away. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> That's a hot take right here from the mind guy. The more take. you practice or something, the better you get at it. No, but it's very true, and you can take it into everyday life to a certain degree. Like I'd be up on stage, and like we mentioned there, things that go wrong, and you could be performing in front. Like one example there, I did a gig in front of um, I walked out on stage, maybe two hundred people there, and unbeknownst to me, I said my first joke. And I later found that they're all Italian speaking, but minimum English. What? So I had to do like a, an hour performance of mind reading to an audience that could barely understand what I was saying. So, so that was so very difficult, obviously. That was extremely difficult. So I just made jokes. I tried to make it as, as visual as I can. I joked about it afterwards, but like I was sweating bullets. So we kind of survived situations like that. Every, like normal everyday situations in the real world, they become a lot easier to deal with because you become a lot more confident. And even if things like, we've failed dramatically, like we mentioned before, open stage in front of people. But if, if you can do that in front of a group of people who've paid to see you, 
uh, who expect, I suppose, a, a decent level of performance. But if something goes wrong in everyday life, you're, you're well more equipped to deal mm. with that then, you know? And is there anything, like, you know, with body language and stuff like that, like, I mean, can you, like, if someone's lying to you now, like, obviously, you know, if I'm lying to you, my lips are moving. <laughs> <laughs> but if someone's lying to you, or if you, can you see if someone is distressed, or can you, like, are there little, like, micro-expressions, uh, little things that other people wouldn't pick up on, that, like, that you kind of, you, you can suss now because I know you do a lot of work one-on-one with people now even in, in this day and age well look it becomes I suppose it becomes bit by bit after performing a lot of mentalism where you meet a person outside and off stage or whatnot. Uh, sometimes you can tell if they're lying to you, if they're doing this, if they're doing that. So if a person is standing <coughs> in front of you with their arms crossed, you know, they're a little bit guarded, they're a little bit secretive, they want to distance themselves from you. Um, so stuff like that. And it becomes kind of an inane ability, whereas I know if somebody's kind of bullshitting me. Um, but then, like I said, it, it goes deeper than that, though. Um, like, when I'm performing, I'm more exaggerated for myself. And I remember we were out in Tokyo before, and I was talking to this girl. She was a guide there, and she was telling us in Tokyo and in Japan uh, as a whole, they have different faces. They have a face for work, they have a, face for the, a separate face for their friends and family, and then a face that only they themselves would see. What? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have different personalities and, and whatnot. So if they're working... And is that the same with everybody from Tokyo, like? That's just, uh, Japan, that's, that's, if you go out there, their culture, they're very submissive if they're working, and, you know, they're not very... Um, we'll say outgoing they, they hide their feelings their true feelings uh, whereas if they were friends then they're a little bit more comfortable than if they're by themselves but to us to a certain degree we're the same now what I was getting at when I'm performing I have to be an exaggerated version of myself so I'm portraying myself in that mask we'll say but then I suppose when I, before I performed before I started performing I, I used to find it very hard to switch between I suppose one zone one mask to the next whereas, whereas now Sometimes in everyday dealings of life, you have to go be an exaggerated farmer of yourself off off the stage even as well. You know, mm. so that's what I've learned. Um, in terms of body language, it does help you to a certain degree of body language. I can deal with people, um, like on stage, you deal with people who can have a high IQ, low IQ, who could be alpha male-esque, who could be um, a skeptic, who could be a firm believer to the to extreme. And all those experiences, they help you off stage. So to, to a big degree as well. I remember, it's interesting you should say that, I remember... Two two things that I remember vividly from from gigs that we did. You'd always, you'd nearly always pick on the alpha male in the audience, mm. the strongest, most masculine man, with tattoos and sh- like you'd all you'd and you'd like. I remember there was this thing where you'd bring up a guy and you'd get him to sing. Why do birds <laughs> suddenly appear? And if you think about it, just. The ability to draw that human out of a bunch of 200, get him to stand up, get him to walk up onto the stage, get him to put a microphone into his hands. Mm. Every time you are near... To be fair, classic song though. Classic song. But like, I've seen you do that, and then I've also seen you... I remember a gig we did in Roganstown, where we had this guy who... We got everybody to stand up, and then we said, if you believe in mentalism, if you believe in mind reading, sit down, and maybe five or six people... Or maybe five or six people were left standing. Mm. And then we whittled that down to the most sceptic person in the whole audience. Yeah. And um, we ended up blowing that man's mind out. I remember you, like, you were able to derive information about his first... first, You were... I think you... Guess you you predicted you had a prediction envelope that day. He, the, the name of the person. You're being very modest. You were involved in this as well. I was involved so in it. You've been very modest uh, to anybody at home listening. So it was a it was a contribution for both of us. Yeah, but we we turned him around. Turned him completely around. I still remember his actually facial expression. One of absolute shock and dismay. Somebody who absolutely he he didn't believe one 
syllable of, syllable of it. He's just not no. He I think he was probably dragged there. Yeah, more likely by his girlfriend or wife or whatever. But by the end, he was probably our greatest fan. He was absolutely blown away but but we I mean I think we we got digits to his I think we got his pin number we we got all oh, the stuff we, we out based him he was broke after yeah, it yeah <laughs> it cost him a lot <laughs> I think the turning point for us though is when we wrote a show called Mind Games mm. um and we started to tour with that and that's when we kind of really started to to get traction where we were taking it a lot more seriously we had silliness and weirdness built into the show and messing and all that kind of carry on but it was a beginning a middle and an end a great structure to the show and the finale of the show involved the Ouija board yeah we used the, the Ouija board there's a massive history of Ouija board actually I remember like studying it back years back and I don't know do you notice I have a Ouija board at home I do sure I, I, I sleep with it it's actually under my bed I yeah. keep it under my bed. Is it the same Ouija board that we used to? It's exactly the same Ouija board we used to we used to use. And like for people at home, the Ouija board it actually originated from automatic writing. And like they used to call it a spirit board or a talking board. Talking board, that's right. And like automatic, so people at home would know automatic writing. Just imagine there's a psychic at home, or a spiritualist, and they're holding a pencil and their eyes are closed, and all of a sudden they try and invoke the name of a spirit, and following that, their their hand would begin to write and. Apparently, the the pencil or whatever writing instrument they were using would write on its own accord. So the psychic was a movie at least consciously. And then with the Ouija board, and Ouija board has like zero to nine on numbers, and yep. then the alphabet, and it was a planchette, which is kind of a wooden heart shaped heart shaped yep. uh, piece of of wood, really, mm. that would move uh, if you if you could if you were able to to summon a spirit yep. in to communicate with you and then you could ask that guy if or a girl depending mm. uh, on what on we used to try and bring back a, a, your spirit guide Charlie Robinson is it Charlie Robinson yeah so we used to try and bring him back and I just like see what we got our inspiration uh, I suppose inspiration from was uh, was a movement back in the day called mediumism so they used like you mentioned previously they used a board called kind of previous incarnation of a of a Ouija board they used a talking board and a spirit board so they became very popular post American Civil War, post World War One, where people try and make contact with the with the loved ones they lost. Mm. So we try to bring back a spirit called Charlie Robinson, who was a uh, back in around the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, and uh, he used to, I suppose, interact with us, and he used to interact with the audience, and he was able to tell us information in regards to the audience. Like we've had things happen. Where Mad things. I've had like I, I had a person in the audience blindfolded. It was a small show, maybe hundred. Uh, whatever, hundred, hundred twenty people. There's a spectator in in the audience, maybe twenty, twenty odd meters away, blindfolded. I would sync up the audience member to the board, and um, along with the cross, the object I was holding, and myself. So we all synced up. Me, the board, the audience, and the, and the cross. The spectator, like I said, be uh, seated, eyes obviously closed, and blindfolded. I'd be pointing across towards them. I would lift the cross upwards, and the spectator seat would begin to stand. You know, mm. and as soon as bring the cross down towards the floor, the spectator would sit down towards the floor. Um, I remember we tried to do a thing with. Um, I remember this happened. I think at least twice. Kind of, we we were trying to to, to dabble in a thing what's called telekinesis, which is moving mm. objects yep. through your thoughts, yep. right? Um, and we with varying degrees of the success, very little success and no success. <laughs> um, but I remember on two occasions we were trying and we were using trying to use the whole audience's mind. We get them to focus on a glass and try and get the glass to move from A to B. And on two separate occasions, the glass smashed. smashed yeah. And do you, do you remember? I remember one time it smashed, and 
they were audible like Jesus Christ yeah. almighty like yeah. you know and I used to have a, j- a joke then about like can you feel the hair on, on the back of your neck standing up and we'd have people on stage and they'd be like yeah yeah I used to uh, should shave that off no one, <laughs> no one likes a hairy neck <laughs> <laughs> just to break the tension of what just happened but like, no I used to freak sure the planchette used to jump bells used to ring and like like I said there with the person standing they used to feel taps in their shoulders mm-hmm. I used to sit, I, I got that filmed and send it to my mentalism buddies uh, nobody could fathom it out but when we bring the Ouija into it like the most amazing things happen we've regurgitated information that we couldn't possibly know so it makes no me way there's no way there's no way there's sometimes there's inf- and like I remember a time where like and I, I'm throwing out a load of stuff because it's actually coming back to me we were doing a gig in UCC where you you hypnotised me and someone in the audience at the same time and then their thoughts transferred to me and something about her grandmother and yeah and uh, like I was able to get it out then under the state of hypnosis Um, and then we did another one in in CIT where a girl where we we brought up loads of information about this girl's dead grandmother and she came up to us afterwards and she was like she was kind of really upset and everything, and she was like, "Please don't like because we recorded it." And she's like, we were probably counting the money at the time. We were like, "Yeah, yeah, ten, ten for you, ten for me, ten feelings. For you. <laughs> what about feelings? Forget about it." Yeah, do you know that we got paid in cash for this? <laughs> but uh, just coming back to the Ouija board, I was doing a little bit of um, research on it, yeah. and um, and I and I remember from when we were doing it, it was actually um, invented by a guy called Elijah Bond, and he called it the talking bo- uh, the talking board, right, as a board game, right, when they, when they took it away from mm. the the when it, it was developed by him, I suppose, as you were saying, automatic writing was for the 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 the, the, the soldiers in the Civil War and stuff like that. Mm. But he had a guy who was working underneath him, Bond's assistant. His name was William Fudd, right? Mm. And he somehow managed to take ownership of the Ouija board, just like you know, like I suppose pulling a fast one on Elijah Board, yeah. and turned it into like a board game, um, that was like sold all over the world. Yeah. And the interesting thing about him was he in 1927 walked had a building a three story building and walked up to the top of it and threw himself off well see there's a few things with that they, they say he was on the ladder he was um, I don't know what he was doing he was looking in the window he was he owned a business so he was checking out what, what, what was his employees doing or what not he fell off the ladder one way or the other he threw himself off or what not he apparently fractured a rib yeah and punctured and his heart and punctured his heart on the way to the hospital apparently yeah and believe it or not that, that's actually it's funny you bring it up that was patented in 1890 and it was and it was granted in 1891. Can you imagine that patented Ouija board along with the planchette? What a genius idea! Genius and idea. Sold a thousand and, and quite like like you said, sold as a children's toy. Um, so yeah, it was sold as as a matter of fun, but then there's weird yeah, kind yeah. of connotations with it. Yeah, because it's used for like I mean I remember growing up, you'd be. You know, someone might say, "Well, we do a Ouija board," yeah. and you'd be like, "Jesus Christ, I'm not going near that. I'm not yeah. going near that. I'm not." Yeah. Go- and there's people today, to this day, when they hear that, and we used to say it as well in in that show that we did, Mind Games. Um, we like the first twenty minutes, we'd be taking the piss, we'd be having a crack. Yeah, then yeah, we yeah. do some like rudimentary mind reading, kind of trying to get the feel of the the still, audience. Uh, still world class, though. Still world class. Mm. Um, uh, but like nothing spectacular. Like, do you know what I mean? And then we would warn people. We'd say, okay, we're going to try. We're going to try. Because it did not work all the time. And that's the thing about it. That's what I loved about it. Sometimes it wouldn't work. And then you just have to rely on your comedy and your quick-wittedness to, yeah. to kind of get out of it. Um, and oftentimes those shows were brilliant as well. Yeah, exactly. Right. But that, that was one good thing about us, actually. <laughs> we could, like, our show, although it was structured, and we did structure it, it could go different paths all the time. All the so time. it wasn't always the same ending, which yeah. was great. Like, But there's a load of stories about the easy work. I mean... 
but you go into intimate detail with it and how, what people's theories are. Kind of like sec- sexual intimate detail. <laughs> well, I don't want to go into that close. At well, I'm married, man, and you're married as yeah, well. We're both happily married. Well, I'm very happily married, so okay? And I'm not going to have any... I don't want... What, what are you talking about? Kissing? <laughs> <laughs> Just the eye gazing. That's okay, all I want. That's all, right. all I want. Okay, eye gazing. So a bit of closeness, a bit of tenderness. Right, no okay. touching. Sorry, no, I've, I've, I've ruined the whole segment there. But go on, you were saying? No, it's just like I was looking into it and I've done a lot, of, a lot of research. Like a lot of people think we have different, I suppose, souls in us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have a conscious soul. Okay. So that would be our rational ego, me and you talking right now. That's us, I suppose, conversing and we're full control of our faculties. Okay. Then there's, there's something called the subconscious soul. Mm-hmm. People refer to it as maybe dream soul or the dead soul. Mm-hmm. So that would be our irrational ego. The ancient Egyptians had a name for it. They called it, I think, uh, Ba and Ka. And the Chinese had a name for it, Hun and Po. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's this author, his name is Patrick Kapoor, and he wrote a book called Demonic Reality. He also believes in these souls, these multiple souls. So you could have multiple souls in your body at any time? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I think the ancient, ancient Egyptians believed in more than two. But okay. for the purpose of this, we'll just deal with, the, I suppose, the conscious, subconscious. But uh, he wrote a book called Demonic Reality, and it's about um, spirits, it's about fairies, folklore, mythology, portuguese, cryptoids like uh, Bigfoot, Yeti, and stuff like that. Mm. Now, he thinks our subconscious mind is able to communicate with our conscious mind via these manifestations. So when you see, and these manifestations he calls demons. Demons, I think it's an old Greek word, it means guiding spirit, spirit guide. So they could take the form of literally anything, ghosts, portuguese, spirits, like I said, cryptoids, anything at all. They could be good bad indifferent so i think when people use the ouija board there's there's, there's a chance a possibility a possibility maybe that they're able to awaken up our subconscious and our subconscious is able to communicate with our conscious and send these weird kind of feelings these weird sightings these weird ghosts um into the into our kind of world mm, that's interesting yeah that's possibly like you know well, I mean, Unless you know, mass psychosis. most most people would say that's a load of bollocks. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Um, but like that's that's what they would. But like, mo- like, are most people educated on that kind of things? Who's to say that that isn't the case? Um, but the, it's the, 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 the counter to that, then, Connie, there's something called idiomotor response, where if a person's finger is on the planchette and if it does begin to move, then that's you moving it unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Do you know, without any subconscious coming into it, or without any demons coming into it, without any. And that's true spirit. because I've seen that when we when when we would get people up straight away, yeah. you know, they'd put their finger on and they'd feel before we even get going, they'd be like, "Oh, it just moved." Yeah. And we'd be like, "Yeah, that's what you call idiom idiomotor response." Yeah. yeah, that's you telling yourself to move it there, uh, uh, you know. But it is, it's an unknown, it's... It, What's it's, it comes to that kind? We've seen the planchette jump on its own accord. Yeah, I've seen the planchette jump off the Ouija board and into the glass that I was talking about earlier on that we used to try yeah. and do. I mean, explain um, that. There's nobody around that. There's nobody to move that unconsciously or subconsciously. No, 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 no. It's, um, and I, I think that was, that show, it was about an hour and 20 minutes long, I think that show was. And I always remember, I always remember being very pleased with that show because... It had a bit of everything. Yeah. It had a bit of everything. And it always finished with something that you don't like. You don't go around and see many people, I suppose, using a Ouija board. Yeah. Trying to bring back, we would get people to try and think, we'd always try and go, okay, think of someone you loved who's not with us anymore. Yeah. You know, um, think you know think of things that they liked things yeah. that, and stuff like that and then we try and get Charlie to come back where did Theo Anneman come in in all this again uh, Theo took over Charlie quit Charlie quit yeah there was a kind of a strike there between myself and Charlie so Theo as I mentioned previously the last uh, podcast he, he was a world famous mentalist but what we did before though Theo, just give a little I know you talked a small bit about Theo Anneman in the last one yeah. but just 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 so just in case you haven't heard the last podcast 
Um, and if you haven't, I would highly recommend going back and listening to the Mind Guys Very first um, podcast. He's one of the regular contributors on Conversations with Cornelius. Um, and it's a really good um, podcast. But if you haven't listened to it, um, he talks about Theo Anneman, who was, I suppose, the kind of the Cristiano Ronaldo of, of, of mentalism That's in the 1920s. Idea. Yeah, 1920s, yeah. He was world famous. He wrote a couple of books that are still present today that you can actually check out called The Jinx. So there's... Um, very, very clever man, very articulate man, but battling demons, a chronic alcoholic. Um, he no, he wasn't solely a mentalist. He was also a magician. Okay. Uh, a couple of days before he killed himself, it was in the, I think the 1940, 1941, 1942. He shot himself in the head. Um, he sh- yeah, shot himself in the head. A couple of days before a big performance in New York. Was he? Apparently, he. They don't know if it was an accident or if it was a suicide because wasn't he doing a. a, a, a he, a, was a a revol- catch. A bullet catch, he was doing a bullet catch. A bullet catch, yeah. He was doing a bullet catch, but by all accounts, I think it was, most people would agree that it was suicide, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we try and bring him back. What we used to do in our shows, we used to bring back, uh, we'll say there's a person in the audience to give a grandmother, we would bring the grandmother back, okay? And it got a bit too serious. People were asking questions after the fact, mm. after the show. So what we did to curtail that, we would get in touch with our psychic, and our psychic would reveal information about the, uh, I suppose, the. Uh, the person's loved one that passed on or whatnot, rather than going directly to the loved one because mm. it brought up awful situations afterwards. Well, I remember one in Mallow where you were like cornered up against the wall going, <laughs> you took it too far, boy! You took it too far! And you were there, sorry, 100, 200, <laughs> sorry, I'm just counting my money here, 300. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. He <laughs> said, highly fucking extravagant. Highly exact extravagant. His exact words. <laughs> but, you know, people used to go, um, it used to be a bit too much that. We used to make a jokey, funny, um, whimsical but people used to wholeheartedly and I suppose take it to the nth degree and really want answers afterwards. So to curtail that piece, we don't really want to talk to people after the show piece. We just want to have chips. Chips, yeah. Uh, chips, Diet Coke, and not uh, to, not to and be. a J. Now you don't want a J. I always want a J. I always want a J. That's the one thing about mentalism as well, about doing Supernatural Brothers. Like when I do comedy, I can have a fucking smoke before I go on mm. stage, a couple of hours beforehand. But you have to be compass mentis when you're on stage sharp kind sharp, sharp as sharp, a sharpie yeah. you know in sharp island with lee sharp that's quite sharp yeah you know that's you have to be like and you switched on so i think that was um yeah that was always a, a like and sometimes i did have a smoke like but like but most <laughs> mo- mostly mostly i had to be fucking 100 percent sober which is a pain in the backside when you need to uh, smoke a little bit of a J every day. But it was so anti could happen though, so you kind of need to have those kind of, you know, it was it was scripted to a certain degree, like we'd have an outline, but I mean, dealing with people, mm. when you deal with people, like you're constantly breaking that fourth wall, like so you're constantly off the cuff, things not going the way they should go, and so you have to be really, really with it. Mm. So, I mean, that's a good point, yeah. But um, no, they were good times, and that, like I just, I do remember that show, I just remember, like we, and we, I remember never working as hard as as we did or as I did anyway on anything as getting prepared for that show pre- rehearsing in the kitchen inside in Elm Court we fucking rehearsed so much for that man we worked like dogs like dogs I think we did fucking four or five hours mm. you know <laughs> <laughs> of rehearsal total <laughs> total I know we, did, we I remember for about six or eight weeks prior to it because we, we, we debuted it in did we do two shows or one show in the lodge oh you had me yeah, I can't remember. I, can't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember, but I remember anyway that it was a hometown gig. We were launching the show. We wanted it to be spectacular, and it, and um, but but then for a finish, we just like I think we toured with that show for 
maybe two and a half years, maybe yeah. even three years. Sure took us, uh, Jesus, yeah. Sure took took we're looking to read minds even Sweden and freaking all sorts, really. Ah, it was good fun though, good crack. But like you said, bringing a Ouija board, people don't normally see that and there's this sort of, even if they think mind reading, there's some sort of mechanical or some sort of psychological ploy. When it comes to the Ouija board, people are still... Uh, very, very respectful of it, very weary of it. and Well, we'd invite people up. Come up, have a look at it. Oh, yeah. Have a look at it. No Take problem. that planchette, put it into your hands. Yeah. Have a look at it. Put your hand underneath it. Make sure you're happy with this. Under like, the table, look under the table, look over yeah. everything. Yeah, so that's... Like, like there, was no, we, there was no flim-flam. We were, like, going, please, we want... And then we would, like, this may not work tonight. Yeah. This may not work tonight. Um, But... But yeah, it was. I remember even when we'd set up the stage at the start of the night, people would already be kind of going, what the fuck mm. is that? Yeah, yeah. What the fuck is that? And then you'd hear whispers, Ouija board, Ouija board. You know? But even a lot of people have stories about Ouija board that they used when they were younger. Information being revealed that nobody else could possibly know and you know, things happening, knocks on the door late at night afterwards or there's just maybe... You know, maybe even seeing something, seeing some sort of entities and whatnot. Like so, no, me personally, I didn't use the Ouija board when I was younger. I just didn't, I didn't use it. But I know friends that have used it, and you know, weird things have happened, and information have been revealed that even mm. you know that they couldn't. That they and couldn't if you look at like some of the holiday, uh, the holiday, the Hollywood movies and stuff like that, you can see, yeah. you know, exaggerated, um, like events that can happen from, you know, possessions and stuff like well, that. Yeah, a lot of people saying you're opening up portals or you're inviting entities from other frequencies to join you and whatnot. Like, so it's, yeah. it's very, uh, you know, it's still a little bit mysterious. What I love to do, actually, is um, down the line, if I get permission, is to do a seance in a, in a fairy form. Oh, you've told me that, man. I think that's... Uh, with the farmer's permission, obviously. I fuck the farmers, man. The fairies. You don't want to be fucking messing with those fairies, like. Oh, do you know yeah, what I mean? They have a dark history. They're they're everything. extremely dark. That's a podcast in itself. No, I actually want to get you and yeah. Conspiracy John on to do um, a, a podcast on fairies because oh, oh, they're that's yeah. a that is like we're we're nearly finished today's one, but um, but we would definitely do a podcast on fairy and fairy folklore. I know you know an awful lot oh, about dark, that. Very dark. Very they're yeah. they're not to be messed with, and I tell you what, man, I I I. I'd be careful if if you were thinking of doing that. I know you're you're fearless when it comes to stuff like that. Fifty fifty or a ticket. <laughs> you're just like I'm sure to be up first, yeah. Like and is people. that fifty each? Yeah. Or you want to charge a hundred euro ticket? But like, but it, it is a bit unique though. No, I I sell. I don't think I do it. I don't think I I don't think. What's your cutoff point? Did somebody say Cornelius? I actually think my cutoff point for doing a fucking seance in a fairy fort is, uh, you'd have. To, I don't think I do it for any amount of money. Yeah. That's a fact, um, but look, let's not get into that now because that is definitely a ma- and I mm. do want to do a detailed, maybe a, a two-parter on that because John is ma- chomping at the bit to do that as well. Yeah, he's amazed. That man is just a vault of knowledge. A vault of knowledge. Um, before we go, are you going to take the vaccine? Uh, vaccine? Yeah, I just found it recently. Actually, my uh, my wife, my beautiful wife, she sent me on a, an article where Iceland is opening up to people, just to people who have had a uh, vaccine. Okay. So uh, we love traveling, so we travel all over the world. Chloe is obviously from Mexico, uh, Escobar. So it's like the uh, drug dealer's name, but she doesn't deal drugs, so I like to put that up there. Um, so we'll have to go home. We'll have to go home to Mexico. And if if it requires you to take a vaccination to go to Mexico, then I would certainly take it. Will I take it shortly? No. Am I up to be taking it shortly? Like, I mean, my group is the probably last group is I'm fit, healthy, prime shape. So I don't think... Mm. <laughs> so I don't think I'll be open. So if if you didn't have to, t- if if they, so yeah, so you're going to take it because 
you want to travel because I want to travel and I like, think about it I used to get vaccinated I travelled all over and I, like in order for me to travel I used to get vaccinations in my arm okay. so I, I used to go to the doctor I should lob it in there it's grand yeah. so, you know, so I didn't give it too much of a thought I think it'll come to a point if it is very restrictive um, no I don't like putting stuff into my body first of all I don't take um, painkillers um, I very very rarely unless I have to I don't take anti flams unless I have to so I'd be very very uh, one of those people who doesn't like to throw toxins into the body whatnot. Okay. but um, if it came to it where I had to take it for travel reasons then I w- most certainly would and if my wife took the vaccination in order for her to go to Mexico um, well then that, that would that would be I mean that would be her choice and and she would do that as well I assume but I wasn't asking about her now. I was asking about you. But <laughs> for me, yes, I would. I would. You're I, I would no, because I because we, we had Mike on last week, and Mike is like he doesn't he would he doesn't want to take the vax. Mm. Um, but like if you have if you have to if you ha- if if you're not allowed to perform indoors, he'll take it. And you're kind of you 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 prefer not to take it. I assume so. Well, like yeah. But like if you, if if someone says you can't travel, then you go yeah, I'll take it because well, I take I'll everything else to go traveling. Yeah, I take everything else to go traveling. Like I mean, yeah, I think I think I would. I think bottom line is yes, I would take the vaccination. Yeah. Um, do but I you're not going to be rushing in today. I, I wouldn't be rushing in to take that. No, because okay. usually mm-hmm. I wouldn't be one to put uh, put stuff in, into my body and it's sad. Okay. What about that time when you put a cucumber up your ass? That was for um. <laughs> 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 that actually might be. Oh no, we, we spoke about that before. But the sandwich, I used to do stuff for the sandwich about that. <laughs> but yeah, I rarely put stuff up my ass uh, behind. Rarely. Rarely. But not. But 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 he does. Choose every second Tuesday. Every second Tuesday, there's a cucumber up the mine guy's hole. So you have to experiment once in a while. Do, uh, you, not, do you not agree? Um. Or would I, you draw a line of cucumber? I draw a line with a pen and a pen pencil usually and a ruler. That's how I draw lines. Oh. Um. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to leave it at that. Lads, if you enjoyed, players, if you enjoyed today's podcast, if you enjoyed any of the podcasts, please rate, review, and s- subscribe uh, on iTunes. That really, really helps me out, and I really appreciate it. Um, send me an email at Cornelius the Comic. Tag me um, in on a story or something like that on Instagram, Cornelius the Comic. I'm on Twitter, Comedian Con, and Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan on Facebook. Um, Thank you so much, my guy. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me in your car. And we will have you again soon. Peace and love.